0: Welcome to the Leadership Network podcast. Leadership Network is a community of multipliers who gather to collaborate, innovate, and pursue what God has next for his church. Our mission is to champion healthy growth that is capable of reproducing. Thank you for joining this conversation and here's today's episode.
1: Hey everybody, welcome to Soul Care Now and This time you get to hear a conversation I had with a good friend and leader in this space, Stefan Chavidin. We were in Jamaica and you get to hear all kinds of great conversations as we explore the first of our findings in the listening tour about the deep refusal. We are at an inflection point. Here you go. All right, so now I get the chance to introduce you to a good friend. This is Stefan Chavijan. Say hello.
0: It's good to be here, Mindy. Thank yeah. you very much.
1: Yeah, and we're in such a special place. We are right now, uh, Stefan leads uh, the National Christian Foundation in South Florida, and a board meeting is gathering here in Jamaica, and we are overlooking the ocean at a beautiful venue here where some board meetings are happening. Uh, but I wanted to interview you because of your deep commitment to soul care in the lives of leaders. And that's who's part of listening in on this conversation for us. We talk about the jet fuel drinkers and the candlelighters, and how do we support the wellness of leaders? And so guys, you're going to hear all these beautiful birds around us. We're just in a completely open space right here. Uh, but we hope you'll listen in because I really believe um, the learnings in our listening tour are some of the things that Stefan has been building into for many years now. And he's one of Honestly, Stefan, there's only about a handful of leaders that I work with around the country that I know of who have a deep, um, longstanding, and um, investment focused commitment into the well being of leaders. Mm -hmm. And so, just for context, uh, we've been talking about on this podcast, Soul Care Now, about the immediacy, the urgency, and the availability of soul care uh, for all of us and how we all need that. But the list, excuse me, the listening tour that our team did when we went Mm -hmm. into this discovered four different areas of um, sort of what's current in this space right now. And the first of those four things was that uh, really clearly in these interviews, I believe we're at an inflection point Mm -hmm. and that the narrative is starting to change. And with that change uh, is a deep refusal to go back to toxic leadership Mm -hmm. and to systemic Mm -hmm. unhealth in leaders. Now, I don't think there's a wholesale change yet. I don't think the change is clear on what to do or how to do it, but I think there's a very clear, we're not going back. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like you have had uh, some of those experiences in your own life of Mm -hmm. coming to the, we're not doing this anymore. Mm and then not only for your own life and your relational network in south florida but then some of the circles that you talk to other Mm -hmm. people i i think you've been a voice of this deep refusal to continue with toxic Mm. and unhealthy leadership so i wanted to ask you just specifically first how has this become a priority for you in general like where would you anchor your deep refusal
0: well first of all mindy i would I'm honored that you'd even have me on the podcast because, you know, when I think of soul care, leader care, the various terms out there, you know, you're in that like hall of fame uh, (laughs) because you've been celebrating this conversation before anybody else was even talking about it. And a lot of that came out of your own story as so much of this does. Number two, yes, I have to reference the location we're in because when you talk about soul care, there is something about place. And yes, we're in Jamaica, and we're in this tropical paradise, and we're having these board meetings. And you could say, "Wow, really tough place to have board meetings." And that's a good question. I agree, <laughs> um, but it, I, it does make me stop and think about how important place is. Um, and it could be that favorite chair you have in your in your house. It could be you know that place that you go to every summer, that river. Uh, that you sit beside. So, this is a special place, and my soul is enriched just being here with one of my favorite people in one of my favorite places. So, it's a very easy conversation to have. Um, yeah, for me, you know, part of it had to do with um, I was very, very uh, blessed to grow up in a relatively normal family. That, yes, they were, when I say normal, they weren't perfect whatsoever. But um, I was uh, exposed to, you know, people that were people that I would look at and say, you know, when I grow up, I'd like to be like that person. And not in a sense of hero worship or the sense of things that were, you know, like, boy, this guy was not living in reality. But I saw authentic men and women that loved God with all their heart and loved being human. And so I think for me personally, I always grew up with knowing what that looked like. And in a sense, experiencing elements of it in my own life, in that journey. And then, obviously, we've all been at those places. We've all had that front row seat um, when everything just hit the fan. And I had experiences like that in the the church that I attended, um, had family members in the same situation. And so my wife and I had front row seats to some implosions, and that just sort of, elevated this conversation that says, hey, this idea of soul care, leader care is not just a hobby. It's not something that we go, one of these days when we have extra margin, we've got to deal with this. It's kind of a place where it's like, no, this is the thing because everything cascades from that. And if you have toxic leaders, um, and I'm not just talking about in a church or an organization, I'm talking about living in your home. You know, it boils down to that. In the business that you run or are part of, and all that kind of stuff. So this topic, and you and I have had many conversations, and I've learned so much from you in that. That I am not a soul care expert or leader care, but I do believe that I've tried to use whatever little platform I have to wave the big flag and going, you know, you know, look here, look here, look here. So. Um, And I appreciate you doing that.
1: uh, Well, yeah, no, thank you. Very kind. But I, and that's where as I'm looking out, I notice you waving that and it's Mm. not some little platform. (laughs) Mm. You are a relatively significant Mm. thought leader in a lot of Christian spaces and for good reason. And so the, the, there's a lot of eyes on you. Mm. There's a lot of people who will follow your lead. And again, I believe that's well-deserved, but you could have, you could have just said, ah, that is just sort of a little Mm. thing. A couple people had a few problems. It's gotten to the point where you started changing strategy. Mm -hmm. You started to say, you kind of put a stake in the ground and said, not on our watch. Mm -hmm. We're going to do some things differently. Can you talk about those moments for you?
0: Yeah, for us, it started, and again, going back to place, you know, I sometimes think that we have such conversations about everything having to scale and everything having to be global, but God calls us to live in neighborhoods, you know? So, you know, I live in a neighborhood. I live in a city and I live in a community. And yeah, I might have some influence in that community, but the farther you get from that community, the less influence is for sure. But I remember living in this community and again, some of these major um blow-ups in this area and um and what we did was we gathered pastors together. And we I'd always been that <coughs> excuse me. I've always been that way. We gather pastors together and build relationship and community among pastors. I love pastors. I'm a pastor barely myself. <laughs> um and so I remember us sitting around and talking as pastors about strategy and various things we were going to work together on and And, uh, you know, talking about these evangelistic opportunities and every, all the pastors getting super tactical, they open up their calendars, they're already picking dates and locations and venues and all that stuff. I remember having this epiphany one time, like, you know, I I think every one of these guys, as soon as we leave this room are going to just go back to their greatest felt need of whatever that is at the time. And it may be toxic. It may be my marriage is on the rocks. I'm addicted to pornography I'm drinking too much. I don't like the word of God anymore. I hate being a pastor. I can't wait to retire. I mean, I think those were little bubble thoughts in all their minds as they sat around and said, bless you, brother, bless you, brother. Let's do this. I'm thinking, I don't know if this is ever going to happen. And so that's where through a number of things of which, again, you've been a big architect of saying, how do we double down and in a sense bring attention to this area that says, if, if you or I are healthy, like I know for me, if I'm in a healthy place, Then inspiration is not my problem. You know, getting things done is not my problem. You know, I don't have to push a rock up a hill. I don't have to encourage you. Come on, Mindy, please do this. I don't have to twist your arm. You don't have to twist my arm because we're in that healthy place. And so for me, it was this kind of reset, not only in my own personal life, but in any of those lives around me of like, you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. And, And I would sort of use that as a framework to say... Man, if my soul is healthy with God, all these other things shall be added unto you. Yep. And again, I think sometimes we tag on soul care or leader care or any kind of self-care as a caboose to a train. And uh, those of you two young cabooses used to be the like, on the train. Uh, but you know, I, I talk to people all the time, and I do some coaching for leaders in the Christian space. And I'd say a common thread is... I travel too much, I'm too busy, I never get a Sabbath. And I hear that all the time. And so that has been sort of in my own life like, we gotta do something about this. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, and you have. To date, you've put considerable funding towards supporting counseling, retreat, any number of uh, sort of spiritual and even not spiritual, Mm. like cars and roofs. And like, how do we actually come alongside and help pastors? And uh, and you're starting to see the fruit of it in building unity among the pastors mm-hmm. in your community, and it's it's really beautiful. Um, imagining that some of the folks maybe listening are not yet at this deep refusal mm-hmm. themselves, they might identify with everything you just said. Mm-hmm. I'm traveling too much. I'm drinking too much. Mm-hmm. I whatever whatever it is. Um, what words do you say to them?
0: I think a big part of it is that importance of slowing down. You know, if I can't see something it's usually because I'm moving too fast. If I don't get it, if I that as you talk about that deep refusal, um, you know, and, and that's a I think that's a that's a when when I look at my own life and I go through those experiences it's it's usually some kind of a, a decoy in my own life. Mm-hmm. And I have found in my life that as I slow down, Mm-hmm. Um, I had this uh, this wonderful conversation with God years ago, and for the sake of time, I won't tell the whole story, but I remember experiencing a fog in my life. I look back and I think it was like a low-grade depression, mm-hmm. but it lasted for quite a long time, and I just had gotten to a place where I was just going through the motions. Yep. And I remember God having this conversation with me, and, he's, and He asked me three questions right in a row in this fog conversation, and it's a wonderful story. But he said, Stefan, if you're the captain of your ship and you're in uncharted waters and you hit a patch of dense fog, what would you do? And I said, Logically, Lord, because I was asking God, like, I didn't want some sort of esoteric answer. Like, I want to like give me Candyland steps. And he yeah. said, he asked me this question. And I said, Well logically, Captain of the Ship, you know, fog, uncharted waters, slow the ship down, lean on my crew, and and I myself would be alert on 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 the on the um you know where captains drive their ships and um, on the bridge and and he says exactly he so i want you to put your life in maintenance mode i want you to lean on your crew and in this case your crew's your wife enjoy her spend time take walks with her and then put your um, and then i want you on high alert with me on the bridge and other i know i need you to spend time with me i don't need you to do bible studies and greek and hebrew stuff. I just need you to read biographies, listen, worship, music, enjoy me. And then Mm -hmm. after that, he asked me the second question. He goes, what burns the fog off? And I said, I don't know. I said, I'm not a scientist, but I think the sun burns the fog off. And he goes, yes. And he said, I am the sun, no pun intended, like a God's sense of humor. I am the sun. And he said something powerful to me. He said, you've done nothing to bring this fog upon yourself and you will do nothing to lift it. And I remember he gave me this incredible, overwhelming sense that. I'm not experiencing this because I did something, which I think so many people are going, the reason my life is where it's at is because of some secret sin, something, and they're just carrying this burden. And then he also said, you will do nothing to lift it. It wasn't my job to figure it out. Uh-uh. And, I, and then, I, then he asked me the third question. He goes, so when the sun burns the fog off, what do you do? And I said, well, usually it's a crystal clear day. And I, and I said, full steam ahead. He goes, Exactly. And I've always remember that. So I talk about slowing down. Mm-hmm. That Whenever I find myself getting to that place where I'm like, eh, just not. I'm getting to the place I'm foggy, uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically, I'm getting foggy. It's, mm-hmm. it's for me is that I'm, I'm beginning to redline and mm-hmm. I just need to intentionally, and I have to own that. I, I hear people all the time that go, I don't have time. You don't understand it. I go, I, you've got to own it. At some point, you've got to say to your board or your boss or your family or whatever, like, I need this. And, um, and that to me is the, uh, yeah, that's a
1: gentle wake up call. Mine was far more severe, (laughs) but that was a gentle wake up call. It was an invitation Mm -hmm. for you to be able to hear the invitation to Mm -hmm. slow down. Right. And you were wise enough, discerning enough, uh, obedient enough to take that invitation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I think about this deep refusal, I sometimes think about the, the, the I don't know what you call it, like the narrative or the um, language that surrounds twelve steps, mm-hmm. and that so mm-hmm. much of a recovery journey can only begin once you really hit that proverbial yeah. rock bottom and yeah. say, "I, I can't." Right? You, you can. So, right. I, I please help me. You know.
0: Well, and the sad thing is that the longer you hold on to this deep refusal, you know, in honesty, the the harder sometimes that lesson or that recovery becomes. I mean, God's a super gentle, loving, firm God, but like I the older I get, I'm like, Lord, I want to learn what you want me to learn as soon as I can. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. Because yes you God will teach me whatever He wants mm-hmm. to teach me. And He mm-hmm. will He's so He loves me too much to leave me where I'm at, as the old saying goes. But like, you know, the longer I've got that pride, the longer I'm holding on to that thing. So you know, it's the it's the monkey, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no mm-hmm. evil. It's like, you know, we're just, like, let God speak to me and through me. Yeah. And the quicker I learn that, um, I find it incredibly embracing.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the a little bit of what happens when we're in the fog, is we stop believing that God is actually active. Mm-hmm. And we stop having that confidence and hope that if we did slow down, if we did rearrange our schedules, if we did tend to the well-being of our souls, um, he, he'll hold us mm-hmm. it, it, we, he is our enough but the, the mad dash the insane scramble uh, really in a way reveals a lack of confidence in God a lack of faith um, oh,
0: I, yeah I mean if you really want to be raw about it, it it's there's an element of pride because it's you know it's me exceeding my capacity mm-hmm. you know and I was thinking about that a while back I was thinking you know the you fly airplanes. We sit there and we travel the world. And you've got airplanes that can fly at six, seven hundred miles an hour at thirty-five thousand feet. And then you've got other airplanes that go eighty thousand feet and go twice as fast. And then you got these little puddle jumpers that can only go about five or ten thousand feet. And you know, imagine if you're this. And I think God's each designed us with a capacity. And I've met people that are the supersonic flight planes that can fly eighty thousand feet. And I go. God's wired that man or woman, and they've got the capacity to handle that. You know, my grandfather was a person that had the capacity to be incredibly humble, and yet he's this incredible world leader, and he didn't drink, you know, all the accolades into his blood system. But then I've met some people that, I'm sorry, but, you know, they're a little puddle jumper airplane that can go 10,000 feet. And rather than being godliness with contentment, is great. rather than being content with that, they want to be— The the airline that goes thirty five thousand feet, and they strive strive for that, and and that has
1: become their god.
0: Yeah, and they and they overheat. Yeah, and so I'm always asking God, like, what is my capacity? So, you know, you say kind words about me, and you know, your influence and all. I I mean, I realize I have some influence, but the reality is, there's people around me that have significant more influence, and I could sit there in my pride and go, "Well, I want to be like that guy or that Mm -hmm. gal." And I'm having to say, no, just be content with what I've given you today. And that is with my marriage and with my kids and with my response. Like, just take care of that and slow down and sense the wonder of God around you. Mm -hmm. And but man, oh, man, I, I find myself guilty of it. And I find I'm constantly picking up in conversation where we're striving to, in a sense, be something that God's never created us to be and you know I don't know if it's the American dream thing or whatever but we're all wanting to be more than and, mm. and I just sometimes think you know we're I'm, I'm I'm a I'm a Piper Cub trying to be a fighter jet and God didn't make me to be a fighter jet he made me be a Piper Cub you know <laughs> I mean think of the Bible and you got some people that were significant men and women in scripture and we only read about them once because they had this one significant moment in their life you know and it was a pivot moment. Now, the rest of them, we don't know what they did, but they probably <laughs> lived a pretty mundane life. Probably just like the rest of us. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's
1: great contentment and great peace yeah. and great trust and great confidence that like, kind of like it's not our job to lift the fog. It's not our job to save the world. Right. It's not our job to reach our community. It's our job to be faithful to the thing in front of us. So I'm grateful for you joining us mm-hmm. today. This is a Tomorrow. big deal that I hope um, will continue. Well, I'm sure yeah. we'll have you back. Um, but the idea of having the courage to make a very committed no mm. to all the crazy and stay open to yeah. what is next is what uh, I hope you all have heard from us. And just thank you, Stefan, for well, joining. Keep doing,
0: be, continue to do what you're doing. And I appreciate mm. all those that are even taking the time to listen to something like this podcast because... What they're doing is they're being encouraged to speak up. They're being encouraged to make some changes. They're be- encouraged to becoming a champion themselves yeah. in their realm of influence and go, it's time for us to be healthy. And, you know, if we, you know, as I often said, we all carry Fitbits and iWatches to make sure we're physically healthy. And we all look at calories that we eat and all that stuff. Well, why can't we start doing that in the emotional and go, hey, let's get, let's encourage each other to be Yep. so again what you're doing is phenomenal mm-hmm. the fact that someone to take the time and listen to this podcast uh, <laughs> says something about yeah. uh, you as well about Thank
1: you. them yes yeah. thanks guys thanks for joining and we'll be back again with uh, our next version of the learnings from the listening tour thanks take care
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Network podcast and joining the conversation for what is next for the church and its leaders. We look forward to connecting with you as we bring our questions, contribute our wisdom and pursue what is next. Visit leadnet.org for more resources, information about leader cohorts and more. That is leadnet.org.